I can tell you guys have been eating lots of good breakfast again this morning. Good morning. There we go. Well, I, I am not Karen Blockowitz, but I am your uh, morning cruise director once again, Scott Egan here, and uh, I've just found out that I'll be filling in this morning, but I'm more than happy to do it. So good morning, everyone. And we are just going to kick things off right away here with our first presentation. And we've got Sandy Larson from NAMA going to come up and uh, update us on uh, what's new with the industry and vending and uh, tell us what else has been going on nationally. So, Sandy, if you're ready. And it's nice to see Scott someplace where the temperature's more than two degrees. <laughs> <laughs> I usually see Scott at the Minnesota Vending Council um, annual meeting and lobby day, and for whatever reason, they think that February is a really good time for people to come to Minnesota. My name is Sandy Larson, and I am the Senior Director of Government Affairs for NAMA. I work with all of the states in the western part of the country, um, going from Texas up to Minnesota and all the way out to the west coast. I really appreciate you inviting NAMA to participate in your conference every year. It really gives us an opportunity to reach out to you, tell us a little bit about what we're doing with NAMA um, across the country on our legislative issues um, and also at the state level. I have been on the NAMA staff for over 20 years, um, actually almost 25 now, and um, I've seen a lot of changes in the industry. I kind of joke about the fact that when I came on staff with NAMA, um, cigarette vending was a new issue that had just come out of that horrible place called California where they were trying to restrict sales of cigarettes in vending machines. And obviously we've come a long way from that um, with a lot of other issues that have surfaced over the years that have affected our industry. Um, but one of the most positive things, I think, has been the interaction with the blind vending community and their interaction with NAMA and their support for us across the country on our legislative issues and um, at the state and federal level. Um, we really appreciate your involvement at our state council meetings, our state council lobby days, and also at our federal fly-in. This morning, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about Unite, uh, NAMA's um, advocacy involvement at the state and federal level, update you on some of our successes that we've had over the last year, kind of give you a look at what we're looking at in 2020, and then also give you a little bit of information on the census that was done on the state of the convenience services industry introduce you to the NAMA public health commitment, and um, update you on some of the upcoming events that NAMA has. As you're probably aware, our biggest um, federal engagement on the advocacy level is our fly-in that we hold every year in July. In 2019, we had over 260 participants registered from 35 states. We held 180 congressional meetings, and of that, 60 was actually with um, state co with congressmen and senators. I think that's an all-time high for the number of meetings where we've actually met with our representatives when we've been in Washington. And it's given us an opportunity to engage with them on issues that we're concerned about at the federal level um, that affect the convenience services industry. 
This last year, we changed the format a little bit and asked people to come in a day ahead for a public policy conference. And we invited representatives from various regulatory agencies to address our group on a number of different topics. Um, we had an impacting energy and environment environmental regulation session where we talked about vending machine refrigerants and energy requirements and had discussions with the EPA and the Department of Energy. We had, a we had a discussion on future coin and currency and got the input from the government on any changes that they're discussing on either coinage or currency. And we had representatives from the Mint, the Department of Bureau Engraving, and um, the Government Accountability Office. We also had a lunchtime presentation from a number of NAMA members that actually serve as, um, legisl as uh, government officials. Um, we had several that were with um, their, uh, on either the city council or the school board. We even had, had someone who is a state um, representative. And so it was interesting to see their discussion of how being engaged in the process affected um, their view of the industry and how they were able to take information about the industry into their position as elective officials. Um, we also had a presentation on the future of food regulations and micromarkets, where we discuss calorie disclosure, micromarket regulations, and upcoming package labeling issues. And there we had representatives from the Food and Drug Administration and the USDA. So this was a really good opportunity for us to not only engage with elected officials, but also to deal with a lot of the regulatory bodies who are really the groups that set a lot of the policy that we find um, affects our industry and that we have to comply with. This year we had a number of successes at the federal level uh, dealing with micromarkets, calorie disclosure, um, the EPA refrigerant transition, support of the Drive Safe Act, and Energy Star specifications. Um, as you know, we have been working with the FDA to try and get um, regulations related to uh, micromarkets incorporated into the food code. And the end of last year, the FDA announced that they had adopted the new food code and included the language on micromarkets referencing the Conference for Food Protection. And these are the guidelines that NAMA worked with um, the conference on to, to, to establish regulations for micromarkets. And the guidelines that we have been using in a lot of the states where we have had micromarket regulations adopted. And so now those are available for us to take to state department, state legislators and ask that they incorporate those guidelines into their food codes so that we'll have standard guidelines across the country regulating micromarkets. Seems like forever that we've been talking about um, the calorie disclosure that's required by the Affordable Care Act and we've been working for a number of years with the FDA to get um, them to finalize those rules. The one key component of it that was still up in the air was the front of package labeling and the font size that would be required. Um, we've really pushed for this because we felt it is the best means by which the operator can comply with those guidelines um, by having the calories on the front of packaging, but we knew that there was hesitation on some of the manufacturers' part to do it until they had the guidance from the federal, from the FDA as to what that size of the font needed to be. 
And this all dates back to a mistake in the actual language of the original bill, um, where they had put a font size that was unreasonable. I think it was half the size of the largest font on the package, which would have meant that your font for your calorie would have to be half the size of like the F in Frito, as opposed to the C in corn chips. So we finally got a determination from the FDA. They issued the final rule last, the end of last year. And so now we have a guideline that our manufacturers can work with, that the operators know what they need to be doing, and they're giving us adequate time to comply with that. So that finally clarifies that final issue on um, the uh, calorie disclosure. Um, you, you probably have heard about some of the issues that we're having related to refrigerants. Um, years ago, the, at the national level, they did um, put through legislation that would have banned certain refrigerants for use um, that, um, throughout, th throughout industry, but in particular it would have affected the vending industry because it affected R134A, which is the refrigerant that is most commonly used in vending machines. Um, that law at the federal level was set aside because of a court ruling that said that the um, that they had overreached on their rulings, but that did not stop some of the states from moving forward. And so we've been dealing with this issue on the state level. The biggest problem that we have is the one gas that is most likely to be the, the substitute is R290. And through ASHRAE and UL standards, which are standards that must be complied with um, through building codes and that type of thing, um, any, any uh, vending machine using R290 cannot be placed in areas of ingress, egress, lobbies, or um, hallways. So I'm thinking that's probably a lot of places where we all have vending machines. So it really did preclude a lot of vending machine placements under the ASHRAE. So NAMA over the last couple of years has had a working group that has been working on a solution to this issue. And we have been working closely with the two standard bodies to try and get a change to those requirements so that we can place machines with R290 um, in areas of ingress, egress, lobbies, hallways. So um, we're getting close on that. We've been meeting with the two groups to try and get a resolution of this issue. But in the meantime, we have been also been working with states that have been considering um, uh, restrictions on these refrigerants and have been successful in most cases getting an extension of time until 2022 for the vending machines to have to transition. Unfortunately, we could not talk California into making the transition. So those of you from California know what a problem this has been for us. Um, basically, there's a limited number of vending machines that are out there that can be purchased. And so most people are being forced to um, retrofit their vending machines and keep them going um, until we come up with a solution for the problem. Um, in the last year, uh, the um, Energy Star standards um, for vending machines um, have changed, and NAMA engaged along the process um, with the EPA on the decisions on that. And we are also looking at changes to um, water cooler standards coming up in the next year or so. NAMA is also um, engaged in a cooperative research and development program um, with the um, Department of Energy 
to develop a more energy efficient vending machine. And this is something that the funding has come through uh, the Department of Energy and NAM is working in conjunction with them on this project. Also, um, NAMA was successful in um, convincing the U.S. Department of Labor to include coffee service and snacks in the perks and benefits that employers can offer to employees without risk of additional time liability. So this is a big win for um, those doing office coffee and pantry services because there was some concern at one point in time that those would have been considered employee benefits and would have then actually been detrimental for the employer to be providing to their employees. Um, we have a lot of engagement at the state level. We have a lot of active state councils throughout the country. And last year we had 25 lobby days um, up from 16 in the year before. Um, we had participation from over 300 members, which was up from about 244 in 2018. Uh, we connected with over 1,000 state offices and officials and engaged with a lot of state, um, uh, um, like uh, the governors and the lieutenant governors and other uh, office holders in the various states across the country. Um, the lobby days take on all kinds of forms. Uh, some states, they bring vending machines on free vend to the Capitol. Some states where it's allowed under their laws, we have um, filled up goodie bags and taken them around to the representatives. Needless to say, um, it's always a well-received day. When I was in Iowa last week, um, I overheard somebody say, yay, it's vending day, my very favorite day of the year, because they all like to get those snacks. And I'll give you a hint, um, whenever we see the snacks in the offices when we go around for visits later in the day, most of the Snickers bars are gone, even though they keep saying everybody wants better for you snacks in the state capitol. But, uh, um, but in some, oftentimes, though, in Oregon, some of the younger people are eating the kale chips. So um, we've had a lot of successes also at the state and local level. Um, in the last year, we were able to get micro-market legislation in Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Mississippi, Pennsylvania, and Florida. We dealt with the Sugar Sweetened Beverage Warning Label Bill in California. Um, this would require uh, all sugar sweetened beverages to carry a health warning label, basically saying that consuming this is detrimental to your health because it causes obesity, diabetes, and other health issues, tooth decay. Um, that bill has been around a long time in California. Um, the frightening part was last year it actually made it out of the Senate. Um, it is still pending in California. They have until July to get it through the assembly. They brought it up in the assembly last year, but were not successful um, in getting it voted out of the health committee. But um, it's um, a real concern because this would be a real issue for um, suppliers as well as vending operators because um, we'll have to label all of our machines that we, with a health warning label, as well as having all the product labeled with a um, health warning label uh, throughout the state. And the biggest concern is um, obviously to be problematic for the large beverage manufacturers, but will be even more troublesome for smaller um, manufacturers who ship into California if they have to run a separate line um, for the product that they're selling in California. So we're continuing to oppose that. In Kansas last year, they proposed a, a cut in, in um, 
taxes on foods, but specifically excluded taxes on food sold through vending machines, uh, sugar-sweetened beverages, and um, certain snacks and candies. Um, we were successful in getting that bill to amend it, amended so that vending and beverages and um, the snacks and candies would all be included in the tax decrease. Um, but that bill did not end up going through last year. It, it died on the governor's desk. Um, we have also were able to defeat a vending sales tax increase in Maine. And in Texas, our representatives lobbied against an overall sales tax increase because of the impact it would have had on the vending industry and the problem that we have with adding a few cents to the cost of our products that we're selling out of our machines. Um, a new phenom that we're seeing coming up across the country is the um, increase in bills requiring, uh, prohibiting companies from going cashless. Um, this is geared uh, primarily at the Amazon Go market, but um, several states have, have considered these bills, and we have been working to try and make sure that when these bills come up that we protect the industry by getting exemptions for micromarkets and also for um, play, uh, vending machines in locations where you can't take cash. So um, a bill is currently pending in Oregon where we have included some language that would protect the vending industry and micromarkets. There's also been bills in Massachusetts, Washington, D.C., Michigan, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. Um, California just filed a bill um, last week on this issue, so I think it's something we're going to continue to see more of. Um, we were able to delay vending restrictions in Louisiana. As I mentioned earlier, we've been working closely on the vending um, machine refrigeration issues in states across the country. And in that um, regard, we're also <coughs> working with um, uh, U.S. Client Climate Alliance to make sure that other states that are considering this know about including um, uh, an extended date for vending. In Minnesota, we've been working for a couple of years to try to get a bill passed that will preempt local um, governments from imposing sales tax on food and beverage. Um, it's passed through the House a couple of times, but never made it into the tax bill, so we'll continue to pursue that. Um, and then um, last year in California, we had five bills, including the warning label bill that we're specifically targeting targeting sugar-sweetened beverages. So um, they went all the way from a kind of a big gulp kind of bill to restricting the sale of sugar-sweetened beverages out of coolers adjacent to the cash register. Um, we were able to get an amendment into that bill because we were concerned about micromarkets, that if the kiosk was next to the beverage um, cooler, then um, <coughs> it could have been prevented from selling any beverages in a micromarket. So we were able to get that bill amended, but fortunately all four of those bills died last year. They did not bring them up within the time frame they needed to during this legislative session. So they're dead for this year unless they are reintroduced. Also last year we were successful in getting coffee removed from the California Prop 65 list of items that required a uh, Prop 65 warning label. Um, coffee has a product called acrylamide that is naturally occurring when coffee beans are roasted. It also occurs in some other products like um, potato chips and some cookies and chips. But um, in California we were able to get coffee removed from that list and so 
prior to um, removing it, there was a concern that anybody that sold coffee, even in an office coffee situation, would have to post a warning that um, drinking coffee could cause uh, cancer or reproductive harm. So fortunately, um, we were able to get that through last year. Excuse me, I've been battling this tickle in my throat for weeks. Um, NAMA has also engaged over the last year with a couple of um, legislative coalitions, and um, this has given us an opportunity to interact with a number of state representatives uh, all in one location, and those organizations are the Naf National Conference of State Legislators and the American Legislative Exchange Council. So it's given us the opportunity to exhibit at their um, events and to make them aware of the convenience services industry. Looking ahead federally for 2022, I mean 2020, I don't want to jump ahead to 2022 yet, um, we're still going to be working on the phase out of um, the hydrofluorocarbons and the impact that that will have on our industry. We'll be um, looking into the rural broadband legislation. Um, we'll continue to support the Drive Safe Act. This is um, to combat the shortage of truck drivers in uh, the United States right now by allowing for training programs for younger drivers um, to enter the field. And so we'll continue to monitor that. Um, the FDA is entering the era of smarter food safety, so we'll keep an eye on what is being brought out by the FDA. And we'll also be working with Energy Star on water cooler standards. And also new and something that we're going to be tracking both at the federal and state level are sustainability issues on recycling and plastics. I'm looking forward to the states for 2020. Um, we're going to have a big push to try and get micromarkets defined at the state level using those new guidelines that we have from the federal government. Um, and also streamlining micromarket licensing. I know a lot of people are having issues with their local health department on licensing and what they're charging in permits. And so we're going to be working on that. And then also um, more specifically on the refrigerant issue at the state level to make sure that we keep that date in there um, to give us more time to comply with the phase out of R134A. We're starting to see a lot of legislation regarding single-use plastics. Some of that's at you know, the local level, as you probably know, um, San Francisco banned um, uh, water, uh, plastic water bottles. And we're seeing um, expansive legislation, especially in California and some of the um, western states, on recycling and single-use plastics and reduction of single-use plastics over time, so um, we'll continue to monitor that to see how that will affect our industry um, from the standpoint of beverage containers and other packaging that we use. Um, again, the cashless retail, we've seen two bills already this year um, in the legislative session, so we'll continue to monitor that. And then also anything related to sugar-sweetened beverages, either expansion of taxes, the warning labels, or any other restrictions that they put on that. And then also, we always monitor state and local tax issues. Um, over the years, we've been really lucky to get favorable tax treatment for the vending industry in states. And we want to make sure we protect that, especially as states look at things like streamlined sales tax and make sure that any exemptions that we had for the vending industry continue to um, be, uh, are not tampered with and that we don't lose that special treatment.
NAMA is a new resource for our um, legislative activity. It is, um, can be found on the NAMA website um, at the, under the NAMA voice section, and it's under the Action Center tab. And this enables us to register for lobby days, to reach out to our representatives at the state and federal level on specific issues, and to send out information to our members um, about things that are coming up within their state. So it, it might be something to take a look at. Um, we'll be reaching out to people if we have issues that come up where we would like you to go ahead and um, contact your representatives. I'd like to take a couple minutes to just go over some of the information that came out of the census that was done in 2018 on the state of the convenience services industry. Um, one of the things that came out is that it's about a $26 billion industry, um, the, the, vending, the convenience services in, industry is, that between 2016 and 2018, we did see a small decline in growth of, of revenue on the vending side, but we saw a 99% increase in growth of revenue on the market side and a 66% increase in growth in pantry services. So um, it, while there is still growth on the, the, throughout the entire market, the, the biggest driving force is micromarkets. We are also seeing an increase in the number of operators that are in blended um, businesses where they're no longer just dealing with vending or office coffee or micromarkets are doing a combination. So people may be involved in vending and, op and micromarkets or vending in OCS or vending in pantry, but um, we're seeing more and more, at least 62% of the operators out there are engaged in more than one area um, in the convenience services channel. Um, looking out to 2022, we continue to see growth in all channels um, with vending, of course, um, lagging behind and the highest growth being in micromarkets, followed by pantry and um, continued growth in the OCS arena. Since 2014, we saw 400% growth in micromarkets. So it just really shows you how big that market has taken, um, uh, has really taken off. And of the operators that were surveyed, 61% said that by 2022, they intended to add some sort of pantry services to their, um, to their uh, businesses. Um, some of the conclusions from the survey was that the industry is growing and continues to diversify, uh, that the industry as a whole shows steady growth while lagging slightly behind uh, other food service industry growth the modest increase in the overall market size masks significant growth in segments such as micromarkets. Blended operators um, increased slightly to 62% in 2018. Um, it also found that traditional vending customers are converting to other segments. So traditional custom vending customers who were purchasing snacks and beverages out of machines posted another small decline as operators are converting customers to other segments such as micromarkets and pantry service. And while some operators are growing vending revenue by leveraging technology and offering increased diversity of products to meet consumer demands, the category is expected to continue its slow decline. 
Micromarket rapid growth is driven by technology and flexibility. Um, the revenue has nearly doubled since 2016 and expe expected to continue to gain share as companies expand their snack and beverage offerings to employees and others. Um, pantry and OCS operators are cautiously optimistic. This area is probably the one that is most subjected to the economy. And as long as the economy is strong and businesses are doing well, they are continuing to expand what they offer to their employees, so office coffee and pantry. But if there were a, a downturn in the economy, which you all, of course, we all hope there is uh, an area in our that probably would see the most impact as employers might reduce what they're doing for their, um, for their members. And um, as I mentioned earlier, consignment services channels are blurring. People are um, getting involved in more areas um, that there is a broader shift to on-demand food spending, um, C-stores, third-party delivery, and unattended retail outlets in public locations are all competing with traditional convenience services segments for a share of the consumer wallet. So this is something we need to be aware of as a vending industry, those other um, areas out there that are competing for our customers. And there are also um, continues to be an um, opportunity to provide better for you products for our, for our member, for our um, customers and um, continue to provide a wider range of items to the customers that we serve. Um, this last year, NAMA announced a public health commitment. And with the support of Partnership for a Healthier America and Alliance for a Healthy Generation, NAMA has adopted a public health commitment to substantially increase the percentage of Better For You offerings uh, to 33% in the nation's vending machines. So this is a program that's going to be going on over the next three years. NAMA has commitments from the largest vending companies in the country to participate in this, and you'll be hearing a lot more about this um, it, going forward at some of the NAMA activities. Um, I would like to give you a little bit of info about what's coming up, what's on the horizon um, in terms of NAMA events. Um, this year, we're very excited that the NAMA show is going to be in Nashville. Um, we will not be here in Las Vegas, um, as we have been for the last number of years. It will be May 6th through the 8th um, at the Nashville Music Center, City Center. And to my knowledge, I think this is the first time NAMA's actually ever had a show in Nashville. I know they haven't had one in all the years I've been with NAMA. Um, we have a lot of great education offerings there. Um, there will be two pre-convention sessions on Tuesday, one entitled Micromarket Magic, and the other is Building a Sales Playbook um, with Bob Tulio. Um, also, there will be 34 learning opportunities um, at, the, at, the con at the show to design to increase revenue decrease operating costs, and inspire the entrepreneur. Just a couple of those. Um, there will be a segment on pitfalls operators can face in government compliance. And we'll be dealing with some of the compliance issues that operators face and how to work with um, government entities and the regulators on um, compliance. Um, we have had some good success in working with health departments and other um, entities on a good working relationship. And so we'll kind of be giving some tips and pointers on that. 
um, surviving the transition. This will be dealing with an industry update on cellular networks and how to deal with the phase out of 1G or 2G networks. Um, there will also be a food handling safety discussion with FDA, and this will deal with um, food handling safety in warehouses, on routes, and also in the client's uh, premises. So that will be a, a great program. And then, as always, we have the small operator roundtables. This gives um, small operators an opportunity to network and discuss problems and find solutions from other operators and topics will include merchandising, pre-kitting, and general operations. NAMA also has ongoing education programs throughout the year, um, most of them done uh, via webinar, and we've got one coming up on the 19th. It's called Technology Essentials, Building a Profitable Communication Strategy. So you might want to go to the NAMA website and check that out. And then also you'll be seeing um, information pushed out from our education department about other educational offerings throughout the year. And they're usually about a half hour to 45 minute webinar, um, pretty easy to participate in, and some really valuable information there from industry experts um, telling you uh, in discussing a lot of different topics um, within the industry. Um, our upcoming NAMA fly-in and advocacy will be July 20th through the 22nd in Washington, D.C. For those that haven't attended that before, it's a great opportunity to um, interact with your federal legislators, and we really encourage all of you to attend. And the final event for 2022 will be the Coffee, Tea, and Water Show, which will be November 9th through the 11th in Orlando, Florida. As you can see, it's very busy times, legislative at both the federal and state level. Um, NAMA continues to stay engaged um, for our members on a number of issues that affect our industry as well as business in general. Um, we have a lot of new things happening at NAMA and a lot of up exciting upcoming events that we hope you can all participate in. And most of all, I want to encourage you all to continue to be involved um, in the process. Um, we are only as strong as our members. Um, it is very important for each of us to participate in these legislative issues and reach out. Um, the more constituents, the representatives hear from, the more likely they are to take our position seriously. Um, we have some great lobbyists across the country, but it's so important for them to actually hear from their constituents about how this will affect your business. In that regard, we oftentimes try to take representatives out to vending businesses just so they can see um, how that operation is working in their um, district. And so they can see the people that are employed and um, the type of issues and, and problems that um, our member operators are dealing with. Um, we welcome you to attend the, the fly-in and also participate in any of our state lobby days. Um, I am always available to help you out with any issues you may be having, um, the, as well as the rest of the NAMA Government Affairs staff. So you can get our contact information on the NAMA webs, website um, under the voice, um, and all of our contact information is there. Um, and I would just like to thank you for always including us and giving us the opportunity to come and kind of update you on what we're all about and what we've got going on. And with that, if we've got time, artists, I'd be more than happy um, to take a few questions. Yeah, Scott, if you can go around with the mic. 
I'd be happy to. Uh, can, can I, can I add one thing to all of this real quick, Sandy? Um, I just want to put a plug in as well uh, for all of your state organizations in NAMA. Uh, I encourage you folks to join your state organization. Um, I can give you, a, I'm going to give you a quick little story of what happened last year. And uh, Sandy, I think you were there for this, I don't recall, but uh, one of our state senators in Minnesota is blind. And he's been in the legislature many years. He also happens to hail from my home country, my home area in Minnesota. Um, when we went into the meeting with him, he definitely recognized that I was there. He already knew about our program in Minnesota, but it definitely created another bridge um, of awareness. And uh, I just encourage all of you to consider joining your state organization as well. But I will run around with the microphone if anybody has questions for Sandy. I wanted to also make sure you got the beginning code for the continuing education, and that is 3BDG7. Thanks. Does anybody have questions for Sandy? Please raise your hand real high so I can see you. And to dovetail on what Scott said, um, when, when we were back in Washington, um, we rep met with a representative from California, and his grandfather had actually been a blind vendor. And so he was very familiar with the program, and it so really gave us a, a, some commonality with him. And he's been out to visit uh, Bisco America Cookies out in Rialto, and is always there when we go back to D.C. and meets with us. So. Um, that was just kind of another connection. Yep. Well, if you think of anything after the event, feel free to reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to um, get back in touch with you. And thank you again. All right, we're ready with our next panel here, folks. So, um, forgive me, I'm trying to catch up here a little bit. So we got uh, the competitive edge with cashless and telemetry. I'll just turn it over to our panel and have them introduce themselves and uh, we'll just go on from there. So uh, give a warm welcome for our panel. Hello, my name is Adam. I'm with uh, USA Technologies, SMB sales rep for uh, Central Mid-Atlantic. Thank you. Hi, my name is Dave Severin with Crane. Hi, I'm Sean Watson, and I'm with Par Level Systems. So hi, guys. Uh, so again this year, um, cashless is, uh, of course, increasing in business. It's uh, not uncommon these days to see well over 50% of your of your transactions be cashless. Uh, in fact, it's not uncommon these days when people order equipment. Uh, sometimes they order it actually without CoinMech and without validators uh, because if there's no cash in the machine, they're not getting broken into. I, and they get their uh, money the next day without having to go collect it, count it, so on and so forth. Uh, certainly that's not uh, that's not because we uh, own CPI, that's not the way we want to sell the machine, but we're starting to see more and more of that happen. Um, as far as Crane this year, um, what we're doing is we're, we're moving past the navigator onto a unit that we call Cora, which uh, basically it has magnets on it, so it's much easier to install. 
Works with the uh, 4-in-1 bezel that goes right on the front of your bill acceptor. Uh, that 4-in-1 bezel uh, is capable of NFC. And uh, those of you that don't know, uh, the new EMV standard is actually for contactless NFC. So uh, that will be uh, easy for us to just push software to the machine to go ahead and update that bezel to accept the new standard. And that standard, I believe, is uh, about two years out where everybody's going to have to, uh, have to uh, basically uh, comply with that standard. Um, <clears throat> other than that, uh, cashless keeps growing. Uh, we do have the, uh, what we call the uh, nav screen, and the nav screen, what that is, is that's a screen that can go in front of your machine in addition to the cashless, and we can push ads to that screen. We're starting to push more and more ads and get more interest from advertisers wanting to do ads on the actual screen of the vending machine. And uh, we actually pay, every for every ad, we are paying the operator every month to have that ad on his screen. Um, the other thing you can do with this particular bezel is you can do automatic refunds for your customer. So if the customer has an issue, uh, he can go ahead and request a refund, and in your portal on your end, the default is if, the, if he enters a cell phone number, he can get one refund uh, in 30 days. Anything after that, you have to actually authorize. So you get a text to authorize the refund. Um, it doesn't have to be that way. That's just the default. We can set it up so that you have to authorize every refund if you want to also. So that's, uh, that's something that we're, in fact, I'm working with a customer in Phoenix right now is putting in 500 of those. So, so that's up and coming also. Um, with that, I'll go ahead and pass it on to some of my colleagues here. Oh, good. This comes down to short people. Um, you know, when I was asked to sit up here today and talk about the competitive edge of, of cashless and telemetry in our industry, I, you know, I sat back and I thought, gosh, if I had a dollar for every time an operator referred to a credit card reader as a commodity over the past couple of years, um, probably wouldn't need to be sitting up here anymore. But, um, I mean, credit card readers are pretty standard now in the industry. I can remember when there was a lot of doubt uh, as to whether or not uh, the credit card reader is going to justify the amount of sales and the monthly fees that are involved in having that. But kind of remember the days when uh, bill validators weren't necessarily on every machine. And now you probably can't even imagine having a vending machine out there without a bill validator on it. So, yeah, credit card readers are a commodity now. Um, what you need to understand, I think, is that your consumer is different. It's not the same consumer that was buying Snicker bars and peanut M&Ms out of your grandpa's vending machine. Um, you're looking at a different generation now. You're looking at millennials. You're looking at people that don't want to deal with people. <laughs> and they want to do things very quickly, and they want it now. Um, and they do everything on their mobile devices. And uh, you know, David mentioned something about uh, you know EMV uh, dip chips being able to use those on your credit card readers now. I mean, it, it's not a requirement yet, but uh, to go ahead and future-proof hardware. To David's point, is it's important because they're going to revisit this, and I think it's 2021. It's an added layer of security. Uh, you know, you use it at the grocery store. So I think it's the five dollar under anything under five dollars right now. It's not required. 
I think is what it is, but I believe that that's being revisited in 2021. So I would definitely consider that if you're um, deploying credit card readers. Uh, and what I would have to say about telemetry and how you have a competitive edge when it comes to telemetry, you're looking at a window into your operations. It's about taking a more proactive approach to your business as opposed to a reactive approach. I mean, right now, if you have an issue with one of your vending machines, do you know it's an issue before your customer calls you and tells you that it's your issue? Wouldn't it be better to know ahead of time that your credit card reader was down or that the door was left open or that a service call wasn't completed as opposed to your customer calling you? So I, I think there's efficiencies involved um, that allow for more productive service calls. Do you know what to take to your machine? Do you know what's sold out? Do you know what the customers at this particular location are eating more of and what they're eating less of? I mean, what are your spoils every week? What are you bringing back and throwing away? Wouldn't it be nice to know what to take out there, what's going to be purchased? Um, and you know, the last thing that I would say about the advantages of having telemetry as part of your operation would be that, you know, this is retail and it's all about merchandising. Now, granted, this is unattended retail, but it's retail nonetheless, and there's not a retailer anywhere, not a successful retailer anywhere in the world that doesn't merchandise in order to maximize sales. I mean, Circle K does it, Target does it, Neiman Marcus does it, The Gap does it, and if you're not merchandising right now to really optimize what products are selling in your vending machines and your markets, um, telemetry can help you do that. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Um, I wanted to go over uh, some numbers on what telemetry actually can provide you. This is uh, uh, some numbers from one of our great southern states. In uh, June of 2018, they had 100 operators. Okay, They had 900 connections with USAT, connections meaning cashless devices. Um, in June of 2018, they decided to become 100% cashless, putting a, a cashless device on every one of their drink and snack machines. They now have 2,300 connect, uh, cashless devices, 120 operators. So 20, they added 20 additional operators from June of 2018. Uh, last year, they did $9.3 million in gross sales, and that is accountability through telemetry. Okay. Excuse me? I wasn't going to say any names. Uh, Florida is one of the... One of the uh, more successful states, I will say that. Um, as far as the cash to credit ratio, cash percentage, 50 pop, excuse me, 55.68%, an astounding 44% of their business was run through cashless. Okay, that number is 3.5 million in gross sales through uh, credit swipes, an additional 509,000 in um, touchless sales. So for a total of 4.1 million in sales by adding card readers, okay? That's a lot of money. I'd like to close by saying this. Uh, I'm in small and medium business. I primarily deal with uh, folks that are in this room. Uh, you get up early, you work late. The whole point of owning and running a business is to be able to collect money from people. If you don't have cashless on your machines, you're leaving money out on the table. Thank you. Agreed. <laughs> Anybody have any questions for us?
Anything we didn't talk about that you're curious about? <laughs> back there, way in the back, in the middle. I'll run a microphone out here. Hang oh, on one thanks. minute. Hand up high, whoever wants to ask a question here. I would like to start with a question myself. Um, I heard a, a number of 55% and 44%. Could you kind of clarify what those numbers are once again? Yeah, so with the telemetry, all right, so let me kind of explain this. If, if you're unfamiliar with cashless, uh, I'm, I'm not too sure with crane payment and uh, uh, par level. Uh, our device is connected, I'm, I'm sure it's the same. Uh, the bill validator is connected into the telemeter, okay? So we can actually count the cash into the machine. Uh, that, that goes to my statement about accountability. So uh, of the 2,300 card readers that this state had, 55% of their sales was cash. 44% was through their card reader. That's either swiping a card, touching with uh, your mobile wallets. Um, so, I mean, if, if, you're, if you're running a cash-only business, you potentially, and I've seen higher numbers than this. I've seen the reverse. I've seen 55% cashless, 44% through cash. So, um, if you're running a cash-only business, uh, you're leaving a lot out, out, out there. I'm, I'm going to agree with Adam on those numbers. We see similar numbers um, at, at par level, and I, I, think, I think Crane does as well. Um, usually, I mean, minimum of 40% cashless when you put a credit card reader on a vending machine. Um, and, you know, not only that, but, you know, telemetry, capturing all your sales data. There's a huge, you know, accountability factor there. And I think one of the other concerns when, you know, cashless first started moving more front and center in the industry was that, you know, was this going to cannibalize some of my cash sales? And, you know, not only have the studies that we've seen and our customer base seen that it has not cannibalized cash sales, but it has increased cash sales. And you probably go, okay, well, well, how can it increase cash sales by taking credit card readers? Because all of a sudden you have people stopping in front of your machine that didn't used to stop in front of your machine because it didn't take a credit card. So maybe they do have a couple bucks in their wallet that day. But you have a whole new consumer that's passing by your machine and has a reason to stop. Uh, one last thing I wanted to, to bring up. Uh, this is very important, okay? The average credit vend per visit, okay, is $1.88 when they use the card reader. On a national average, that's 50 cents more than a cash-paying customer, okay? And that reason is because of multi-vending. Uh, I can only speak on behalf of USAT. Do you guys have multi? Oh, oh yeah. Multi okay, so it's an, it's an industry uh, it, uh, uh, feature. Multi-vending allows the, the, the buyer to select more than one item. So our device, for instance, uh, when you swipe a card, it would say, please make a selection. They would, hit, they would key in the numbers for what they want, and then it would ask them again. It would encourage them again to make an additional purchase. That is why people are spending more money at the reader than in cash. Can you tell me what USA is going to do with the 4G? One more time. What is USA going to do about the 4G cellular? Uh, currently, uh, USAT only provides a 4G service. Uh, my understanding is that is uh, an industry standard at the moment. Um, I don't have any information on 5G. What I can tell you is that the G10S reader is good through 20, minimum 
good through 2027. Um, that would, I guess, be the only downside to, to uh, telemetry is the advancement of technology. Everybody on this panel is going to have to deal with uh, the advancement of technology. Basically what happens is we, we have contracts with uh, Verizon and AT&T and uh, we cannot stop a juggernaut like AT&T or Verizon from upgrading their towers, their technology. Uh, the example would be the 2G sunset that just happened with us uh, at the turn of the year. Uh, we had to replace, I think, uh, 5,000 devices. Um, and that was, you know, a, a conversation that I had to deal with. And, and unfortunately, that investment is on, on your end. Um, it's a smart investment. Uh, I wanted to throw some numbers. So the state that decided to go 100% cashless made a, an investment of just over $500,000. And within the first year, they had gross credit sales of $4.1 So I don't know that percentage, but it's pretty darn good. I, I um, So this is, this is a topic in the industry that I'm, I'm a little passionate about. So before I joined the vending industry, I worked for Sprint for 10 and a half years. So I know a lot about um, cellular networks. I know a lot about telemetry. And I, I can talk a little bit to the 4G question that a lot of people in the room probably have. Um, I can start by saying that all of your major providers for credit card readers that are sitting up here on this panel, yeah, we all have credit card readers that are 4G. Um, and the question is, are you going to get 5G ones? I, I don't know. 5G isn't necessary to run a credit card transaction. A credit card transaction is such a very, very small pocket of data. It's, it's very interesting because this topic came up at my breakfast table this morning in the back of the room, so we, we already talked about this. But it's such a small packet of data that is going over the wireless network to authorize a credit card. Quite frankly, 2G was sufficient. And the only reason 2G went away is because the big, the, the juggernauts, <laughs> uh, the AT&Ts and Verizons and Sprints, um, they needed that bandwidth in order to invest in 4G and now eventually 5G. So you have to think of the wireless carriers and how they make money. Think about um, all day long the things that you do on your tablet and the things that you do on your phone. Um, are you playing videos? Are you downloading movies to watch on the plane? Are you uploading files to your office? Are you, um, I mean, anything you do like that requires a lot of data. And this is how the wireless carriers make their money. They want you to buy a bigger data package so that you'll take more pictures, send more videos, download more files. And data like that for a wireless user requires a lot of bandwidth. And that requires 4G, that requires 5G, and then they sell you bigger data plans when you go visit your wireless store. But when we're talking about authorizing a credit card transaction, tiny, tiny, tiny little piece of data running over the airwaves and coming back to give you an authorization code. 4G is not necessary, 3G is not necessary, but we are writing on the platform that's available to us by the wireless carriers. Um, another question that came up <clears throat> this morning was, well, why can't we just run this stuff on Wi-Fi? So Wi-Fi is not a secure network, so think about it. You're running your customer's credit card numbers over the air, so you never want to do something like that on Wi-Fi. It's, uh, everything has to be encrypted, and that's why we rely on uh, you know, the Verizons and the Sprints and the T-Mobiles and AT&Ts of the world. I was going to make a comment to uh, some of the numbers that uh, you were speaking about as far as sales. I know it's been a short period of time since I've had card readers in my system, 
And I think when I started, we were looking at that 25% of purchases were, were on the card. And uh, right now, I, I believe I looked last week, and I'm up to about 55% are card purchases opposed to cash. So it's happening quick. Uh, artists over here asked a question. Is the data accessible to the operator? Was that your question? That's a great question. Okay. So um, again, I can only speak on behalf of USAT. So with every customer's new account, you get access to a web portal. Okay. Ours is called USA Live, I'm sure. Uh, Crane and uh, Parlov all have a similar uh, system. Uh, this web portal gives you access to every sale, okay, to a select date range. If you uh, run your own books, you can do payment reconciliation reports. This will reconcile each machine, your fees, monthly service fees, all of your cash sales, all of your credit sales. All of this data is available from the very first purchase on your machine. Okay, and you don't pay any additional fee for that. It's a standard uh, with uh, buying a device and setting up an account. Um, you get daily sales reports. Okay, so uh, that report is pushed out. I think 4 a.m. in the morning or 3 a.m. Uh, the report will tell you all of your cash sales from the previous day and credit sales. Uh, you can run these reports weekly, monthly, bi-monthly. It doesn't matter. Um, Adding telemetry gives you access to all this data. Uh, the different companies will provide you a web portal for you to, to, to view it. Yeah, I, I highly recommend if you're not using any sort of back-end software to manage uh, your machines and to collect uh, all this data that Adam's talking about. It's, it, it's so much more than, than just sales, but it captures all the information, you know, cashless sales, uh, cash sales, uh, you know, coin tube levels, you name it, and it's going to capture that data for you. But I don't think any of our software captures credit card numbers or keeps that. We're just not allowed to. So that's probably the only piece of data that we won't be able to capture for you. <laughs> yes, in fact, I'm sure everybody else's is the same. But as soon as a transaction occurs, uh, that transaction, the credit card number is actually being erased at the device and it becomes a transaction number as opposed to your credit card information being in that device. So if somebody were to, to go in and, you know, tap into one of these devices or steal one, there's nothing there on location that uh, has anything to do with any of your customer's data. So. All right. Any other last call for questions here? I actually have a question to the, to the group here. It might spar more questions. Go ahead. Does anybody have any hesitations with adding cashless? I would love to hear them. I'm in sales, okay? Uh, I, don't I don't run across many ob objections, honestly. There's, there's not too many downsides to earning more money. I would love to hear if anybody has something uh, to the opposite to say to that. Boy, I'm not seeing any arguments here. Okay, hold on. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed is our local bottling companies have started charging the, uh, uh, the surcharge for credit card transactions. And I was wondering if you can give us any information about it, uh, on the, you know, 
accounts using it at a, a surcharge and that it, or a put it let me put it put it, put it the legal way a cash discount uh, as opposed to the to, uh, to the cards uh, would it you know what it, what type of history have they been uh, shown for that that's a great question so uh, with all of our services here there is a, a processing charge that uh, that's how we make money okay so uh, a feature that is available uh, do you guys have tier two pricing yes awesome uh, it's called tier two pricing okay so uh, the cash discount like you said uh, the operators have the option to uh, upcharging their credit card users ten cents uh, to help cover the fees associated uh, with the you know that the operator uh, have by having cashless um, in this uh, detailed report that I have right here. Um, let's see. They had a total of 2.5 million credit sales. That translated to $192,000 in tier two revenue added into their account. Okay, so that is uh, gross uh, earnings. And then we subtract our percentage. So, uh, Let's just put it at 6%. It's not. But, so if you have a dollar transaction, we're collecting $0.06 cents from you. And if you have Tier 2 enabled, that $0.10 cents covers our charge and puts additional revenue back into your pocket. Yeah, it, it, so when it, when it comes to that, that extra, I think, were you calling it a, a surcharge? So anywhere that you're using a credit card, and it's really, it's really up to the operator. It's the operator's discretion as to whether or not they want to impose an additional charge for using a credit card. If you go to a gas station and pump gas, you're paying a little bit more if you use your credit card than if you pay cash. Um, if you go online to renew your state ID or your driver's license, and you opt to pay with a credit card, usually there's a little note there that says you're going to pay an extra little fee for using your credit card. I mean, this, this is all for processing fees that Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, you know, pass on to the retailer or the operator in order to process a credit card transaction. So a lot of operators opt to put two-tier pricing, um, like Adam said, um, on, on their vending machines. And the thing with two-tier pricing is, technically you're not really allowed to say, I'm charging you 10 cents more to use a credit card. So you price everything the way you want it priced, if you want everything priced at a dollar. And then if I come up to your machine and I buy a Snicker bar and I put a dollar in, I'm gonna get 10 cents back because it's really only gonna charge me 90 cents. So the communication to your consumer needs to be that there is a discount for paying cash. Um, but to Adam's point, when you uh, implement two-tier pricing in your vending machines, it, it, can, it can cover a large part of those processing fees. Um, it, you know, it can offset a lot of that. So if you're not doing that, um, I encourage you to. Now, you may have a customer that won't let you. I know a lot of our, our military bases, they won't let them turn two-tier pricing on. So it really depends. It's just a conversation you need to have with your customer. Uh, but I would always go in, especially if you have a new account, I would go in with the two-tier pricing in place unless uh, they say no and then have that conversation with them. And so in this report, like she said, not everybody, uh, you might have accounts that tell you no to the upcharge. 
Um, so tier two revenue uh, covered all but $27,000 in, in processing fees in 2019. And that's, again, on um, uh, 2.1 million uh, visits to the vending machine and 2.5 million vends. So items vended. All those with credit cards? Yeah. And got credit cards on your machines, I hope. <laughs> don't, don't miss out on that money. <laughs> did, you, did you have a question over here? Hi, my name's Tracy. I'm from Idaho. I have a question. Um, I get your monthly, re, you know, your daily report, and that's accessible from my computer. But I was told that you have the app so that you can access it anywhere, and that portal is not accessible. And I use an iPhone I, uh, 8 Plus, so I know I have the latest technology for that kind of stuff. So do you have any fixes for that so the accessibility will work better for us? Who's, uh, who's cashless are you using? USAT. USAT. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Um, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not in the customer service side at all. Uh, I'm completely on the sales side. Uh, to my knowledge, we, we do not have a mobile app. Uh, that is something that I've heard. So I've been there a year and a half. Uh, these types of developments are slow. Uh, I've heard about a mobile app in the works since I think my first week because it was something that I asked because I think that would be a smart smart thing for you guys. Okay, I, I haven't I haven't tried to sell my company once since we started this panel, but Par Level has an app. Boom. <laughs> All right, Crane has an app. <laughs> yeah, we're way behind in that in that manner, I guess. <laughs> What kind, of, what kind of things would you like to see in the app? Oh, the, okay, so the web, you're asked, your question is about our website? I'm a part of uh, a few channels in a program called Slack at work. I do notice outages uh, periodically. We have a, a large net operations team. I'm not smart enough to, to know what they're talking about, to be honest. Um, but I know that it does go down and back up frequently. I think that's just something that, uh, you know, Websites that have a lot of activity have to deal with. Uh, we, uh, what I do know is we have a great team, uh, and they usually get that resolved pretty quick. Um, if you are having issues with the web portal, uh, the best thing to do would be to call the, the customer service 888 number. Um, if if uh, you'd like, uh, I could help you get on uh, to your web portal uh, tomorrow at the booth or today after I speak. Um, and I would essentially be doing the same thing that you folks could do. I would call uh, my, well, I, I would actually kind of step over that. I would d directly message someone to help me out. Um, but I can get you up and running today on your web portal. You're welcome. All right, let's, uh, let's give this group a hand. Um, Thank you. They're going to be available this afternoon next door, so carve yourself out some time. Ask those great questions that you have, and they'll be able to work with you one-on-one, -on -one, and they're all more than happy to do that. So, Thank you, panel. Next, next up, Dave, uh, would like to, uh, Severin would like to present us a little bit more about Crane, so uh, we'll turn the floor back over to Dave. Um, so this year, guys, what we're showing here um, is going to be our 9-inch touchscreen. 
We've got two machines with that nine-inch touchscreen, which is uh, the larger screen. Um, last year, I think we showed it on one machine, but at that time it was still in development. It is now released and into production. Uh, one of the things that the comments that came out last year was that when you're in the service mode, if we could have a contrast black and white, uh, it would be much easier for some, some people, you know, that have partial vision to be able to see that. Uh, stop by, we've incorporated that. I need to go over and put the software in, but we actually have that in the machine now. I, I'd love to hear how that works for some of you, if it, if it helps, um, you know, any, anything that you can help us with to make it better for you guys would be wonderful. Um, there's a couple other things we have over there today. We don't have any of the keypad machines, but we do have the devices for the keypad machines. For those of you that have the smaller screen, where we've got the Braille touchpad, um, and then we've got the USB speaker. So we've got those devices over there for those machines, but we didn't bring you know, every machine. It's a small show. Um, in addition to that, um, I think I mentioned earlier, we're starting to do a lot more things, especially with these big screens, um, as far as pushing ads. And you can opt in for those ads when you're on Crane Cashless. You've got the radio. The radio. Uh, so what you can do is you opt in for those ads, and we'll actually pay you to have those ads running on your machine. Uh, we just announced one recently. It's an American Express ad. So everybody... That every machine that you have that on, you're getting a couple dollars a month, okay? So it does add up. Um, and then those ads tend to run for a certain period of time. You can opt in for those ads. You can opt out. Obviously, if you're a, uh, you know, in a MasterCard facility, you're not going to let that ad run, but you, you, you have those. And we've run into stuff like that. We had a, we had a uh, Uber ad that was placed in a taxi facility. So we, we do run into those things, but we do allow you to opt out of those ads. Um, the other thing that we try to do to optimize those ads is if you're installing Crane Cashless, when you're there with, our, with your app, you just drop a pin, touch a button on your app when you're there, and we'll know if you're in a college facility or if you're in a hospital or whatever the case is so that those ads are actually uh, better Let's put it this way. If you're in a college, you're going to get more money for specific ads than other people will to run that ad uh, in other areas. Okay? They try to target specific areas for those ads. So uh, just another thing we're trying to do to help the operator increase their revenue. Um, yeah, so that's uh, feel free to stop by, please. Uh, we'll be glad to show you those and any uh, input you have for us that we can make that machine better for you, that would be great. Thank you. Thank you, Dave. I asked Dave just to hang here just another minute. We have something to present here. We've got the uh, a plaque, Randolph Shepard, Vendors of America, Sagebrush BEP Training Conference, special recognition to Crane Merchandising System, RSVA Casino Star Sponsorship, our 39th annual Sagebrush Convention at uh, Golden Nugget in Las Vegas. So uh, with that, Dave, I present this to you, and thank you very much. Thank you very we much. We always appreciate seeing you. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
So we'll move on to our next presentation and Paul Patchy Jr. is offered to uh, give us a presentation on uh, cell phones, I do believe. Electronic. Electronic payments and cell phones, yes. So if you're in the, in the room, here he is, okay. So I'll turn it over to Paul, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> Sorry, I just got, I was just to asked to, to do this presentation, so bear with me. I've been trying to pick my brain. There's not too much there to pick, so. <clears throat> um, so as far as cashless payments and accessibility with iPhones and iPads, um, you know, I'm not really an expert, but being a BEP vendor, I do use some of these things um, in my business. Um, a couple of the apps I do use um, are, you know, Apple Pay and Google Wallet. Uh, those are easy, almost seamless uh, payment options for your customers. Um, all it really uh, involves is a double click of the home button and they've paid for their merchandise right then and there. Um, even I've seen, you know, fully sighted people use it without even looking at their screen. They just double click their button and pretty much walk away. So it's one of those easy, accessible things. Um, it's easy to set up and easy to manage. Uh, but really, um, some of the other apps that I've been using more uh, frequently um, with my current location are apps um, such as Venmo and Cash App. These are good ways of just uh, you know, submitting, you can receive cash and also make payments through both these really quick. Uh, my favorite and probably the most accessible would be Cash App, because um, when you open that up, it's basically set up like a calculator. All you have is a screen that shows how much, uh, you know, it starts with zero dollars, but you add that by then selecting the numbers. And at the very bottom, you just have two buttons. Either it says request that money or pay that money. And then you just select who you're sending the money to or who you want to receive it to. And it's really quick. I've been using that to pay like a lot of refunds for my customers. Uh, it's really quick. I can do it right there in front of them and they can have the refund within about 15 seconds. So that, that's one thing they've, you know, my customers have definitely loved um, is just having that accessibility and, and the, the you know, ability to pay them right then and there. Um, another one that's really accessible that a lot of people don't think about when it comes to iPhones and iPads is um, you, like a POS system. You know, the POS, a lot of the POS systems out there just aren't accessible for blind and visually impaired. Uh, but there is a, the Square, and Square operates through, you know, iPads and iPhones, which you can then use your voiceover or even uh, connect external keyboards to it and make it that much easier to navigate the entire app. Um, it is a very, very handy thing to have when you have like a storefront. Um, you know, POS is one of the best things, <laughs> much better than a, a simple cash register because it tracks everything. Um, and you can do almost everything from there. You know, I, when I was using Square for my storefront, I was, doing everything from tracking my employees' time to doing payroll, uh, paying my taxes, even setting up entire inventory that not only my employees but my customers could look through online so they know what my merchandise was 
and the prices. They could even make online orders through app, the app, um, which was very handy too, because they could, you know, order a breakfast uh, item and then come from their desk a couple minutes later and collect it when it's all ready to go for them. Um, but it's very, these are very accessible apps. You know, when you turn on the voiceover uh, feature for using like Square, uh, it pretty much talks through everything on the screen. Um, I haven't used it too much myself because I'm a, a higher high partial, but I have used like the external keypad, which makes it a lot easier to input, you know, all the different information into the system uh, instead of trying to go onto like the online interface, which is a little more complicated. I found uh, trying to navigate that with, um, you know, like JAWS or anything like that. So it's easier almost to do it from the app, and that's one thing I've loved doing uh, from, you know, having the accessibility features with the iPad and iPhone for that app. Um, really, I don't know what else to really talk about. If anyone has any questions about it, I can pretend like I have answers. I'm not an expert, but uh, you know, I'm an expert when it comes to selling things and, and using these apps a little bit in my storefront. Hi, I don't have a question. I just have a feedback um, on Square. Uh, what he said on Square, um, it's, um, it's really, really um, true. Um, I can access all my inventory and all my data, my sales, how many cups of coffee I've sold, how many candy bars I've sold, and it's like a really, it gives you a daily sales, a weekly, monthly, annually, it's really, really good. And if you have a cafeteria or a snack bar, this is a perfect, perfect um, uh, uh, app to use. That's it, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Sandy. Yeah, no, the, the app is really good. I mean, there are some fees with it, but it's a lot lower than the standard POS systems that are out there. Um, you know, it, and it does operate almost the same and just as accessible. All right, any other questions? I think that's going to do it. All right, uh, let's give our speaker a hand. I've been informed that we're supposed to go on a 15-minute break. So your cruise director says uh, we've ported for just a little bit, so please feel free, get up, walk around, stretch those legs. We'll be back in 15 minutes. Thank you. One more thing, as you're wandering around, our gift basket table is starting to explode. So please feel free to come up to the front, take a look at all these wonderful gift baskets we have to auction off tomorrow night. And uh, yeah, thanks for everyone for their generosity. Let's get started with this session. 
Uh, at this point, we're going to open up the microphone to some exhibitors next door, and they'd like to come in and give you a little preview of some of the products they're going to be presenting next door, and maybe some of their other products as well. So I'm going to turn the microphone over. We've got a couple gentlemen up here who's ready to present, so um, give them a warm hand. Hi, good morning everybody. My name is Luke Williams. I'm with Esight Eyewear. We make electronic glasses for the visually impaired. Can you hear me now? Yes. Perfect, good. Let me start over. My name is Luke Williams. I'm with Esight Eyewear. We make electronic glasses for people who are with uh, low vision or visually impaired. We started in 2007, came to market with our first product in 2013. Since then, we've been able to help thousands of people all over the world. If you guys want to take a chance and try it out. We have several units next door. We'll be here for the next couple of days as well. If you guys want to do a more personal demo, of course, we can do that. Um, the great thing about our product is that we have continued support additionally after, excuse me, after purchase. And additionally, we also have, we're fully mobile. We're the only product out there on the market right now with a bioptic tilt to where you can actually tilt the glasses up and be able to be mobile and move around and tilt them back down and use them at the same time. So you can use them basically like a bioptic um, lens. So you can look through distance for above, through eSight, and then look down underneath through your prescription glasses that we can build into it. If you guys have any questions, we'd love to talk to you. We're right next door. Please stop by and say hi. Thank you. Good morning. <laughs> okay, we got that done. <laughs> My name is John Palmer, and I have a few businesses within the industry. One of them is Magnifying America, which is uh, catered to technology for the visually impaired. The other is Low Vision Aids. And Patriot Vision Industries, it's actually a company I've had for a long time, but the brand Patriot has grown globally. Uh, my son Charles, some of you know, is currently in Dubai representing our company. Last week it was Israel and the week before was in Italy. So I'm excited to share that with you, that our company is global. What's important is we are next door at the exhibit hall. And the products under our Patriot brand are very specialized and unique. The first thing I could say is we're the first ever iOS, Apple certified uh, technology that is built within the iPad that we use for our Patriot Pro. So we actually sell a device that's your CCTV, your reading machine, and your quote unquote everything in one unit that folds flat, fits in a backpack, and weighs just a few pounds. So all those CCTV video magnifier users out there, all the reading machine users, and you Apple phone users could get it all in one thing. Now for you Android fans out there, yes, we're certified with Android, don't you worry. <laughs> Oh yeah, we're never going to overlook any of the platforms. And we did develop the software for Surface Pro. 
So we could even supply that with the PC because there's certain, you know, obvious requirements sometimes for PC. So that's our Patriot Pro product. I can't say enough about that. It's exciting. But another one is a wearable that just opens up the world for so many people. And especially vendors that are looking into their machines and looking into their snacks or their micro mini marts, those displays. I've been traveling, and actually some of you here in the room know exactly uh, that I've witnessed you know, things that have just been amazing, what you could see from a distance. So I want you to try the Patriot Viewpoint. And we also have a first release. This is the venue where we're introducing a new standalone reader for the blind. I want to emphasize that no matter how wonderful the technology is on all of our portable mobile things, there's always a good need, a joy, to have something sitting right there always ready to work. And what I mean by that is a standalone reader, like your toaster, like your blender. You know, you're at home, you want to open up a book and put it in there. This one's unique. Uh, you got to see it. It's next door. You got to feel it, actually. That might be better to say that. Because there's uh, no buttons on it. It's rotary dials, just three of them. And uh, it's, it represents, I think, sort of a new benchmark in ergonomic ease of use. So having said that, um, please come by, say hello, and let's get to know each other even further. And thank you. Okay, RSVA has a booth over there as well. And at our booth, we're going to be selling our 50th anniversary uh, T-shirts and polo shirts. We had offered them online along with your registration, and then I had some people order it, and I was told we were out of them, but they found more, so we do have them here. So anyone interested in purchasing polo shirts or T-shirts, uh, they'll be at the RSVA table. Um, we'll also have at the RSVA table, you can purchase life memberships. We have $200 life memberships you can purchase, or a $1,000 one. The difference is for a $1,000 one, you get a plaque, and you get uh, recognized at our annual conference. Um, the $200 one, you do get uh, notice in the vendor scope saying that you have purchased it. And we also are selling memberships, just for general membership. It's only $10 to join RSVA. Also, you can sign up for our email announce list where we send out announcements about legislation, announcements about upcoming events, etc. Um, to be on that email list, please make sure I have your email address. And if you've changed it recently, make sure I have your new email address because I do, uh, every time we send out something, I always get a couple people that are the email address is voided. So if you haven't been getting our announcements, uh, please make sure I have your email address. Uh, the other thing you can do there, you can also sign up for our monthly monetary support, which is where you can, either by credit card or out of your bank account, you can have a monthly um, designated amount taken out to support activities for RSVA 
and ACB, the American Council of Blind. So if you're interested in any of those things, please come to the RSVA table. And we will also have uh, past issues of the Vendorscope magazine there. We have last year's, some issues of the last year's Sagebrush program will be there. So you can uh, see both of those items. And if you want to ask us any questions about RSVA, of course, you can come to the table and ask us anything you'd like to know. And I'd love to be able to talk to you. Thanks. Thank you, Artis. We do have another presenter that uh, would like to share some information. And we've got Ted from Intuit, and he wants to uh, talk a little bit about what maybe he's going to be showing today. So uh, we'll turn it over to him. Hi, everybody. Uh, this is Ted, and I'll be in the uh, trade show with my uh, partner, Dan. If you have any questions about QuickBooks or about your timesheets or anything that we can show you, we're happy to we'll be there, answer any questions, and we, we'll have an iPad and laptops if you want to see the product in action. Uh, so we'll see you tomorrow, or see you in about a half an hour. <laughs> well, we've got a few minutes here. I thought I'd go through the list of exhibitors. Uh, ATNIP Company Incorporated. And automated merchandising systems. We also are going to have Betson Enterprises, Crane Merchandising Systems, which they always have some interesting equipment to show. Esight, Intuit, of course, we just heard from Ted, Kellogg's, and Jack Links. The Low Vision Aids Incorporated, Novamex, Orcam, which that Orcam system is very impressive. I have seen that one actually in operation. Orion Food Systems, Par Level Systems, PepsiCo Food Service, which they'll be coming up shortly to give a presentation. Uh, forgive me, Supato Cheese. Southern Food Service, Three Square Market, I know they're here and they've got some fun stuff to show. You Select It, and USA Technologies. So those are some of the folks you can look for this, this afternoon in the booth. Thank you. Good morning, my name is Lee Ivory. Uh, I'll be manning the uh, Betson booth. Betson is a um, equipment distributor with 13 offices throughout the country. At our booth today, we will be showing a, a very inexpensive micromarket uh, that it's only $10 a month, and that's it for the market. Plus $5.95 per transaction. Everything is uh, operated by the customer's smartphone. We also have a mobile app to show uh, some of your, um, some of the operators that um, operate cafeterias and food service. The app can be a pre-order app for your clients in your building to order from their desk, come downstairs, and pick it up. And it's prepaid on the app. You don't have to collect money. Uh, the consumer will see um, however you want it to look. If it's a hamburger, a Coke, and fries, that's the uh, image that would be on their phone. They press 
vive it, they buy it, walk downstairs, they would have either an order number or an identification to pick up their food and or anything that you sell through your convenience store or your market. Uh, that again is $10 a month. Uh, you're collecting money um, via credit card. It's deposited into your account. You will not be having cash transactions. We also um, are showing uh, the ability for some of you that might have roadside rests or in National Park, we have a, a photo booth. A photo booth is a very profitable device, um, much like Hoover Dam here in, in, in Nevada. Uh, you know, customers walk into the booth, it's a green screen, they would snap their photo with their loved one or friend, and my phone's ringing, sorry about that. Um, and then superimposed behind them would be the Hoover Dam or the Statue of Liberty or um, you know, uh, the presidents at Mount Rushmore. So a photo booth can be a very profitable uh, piece of uh, a coin-operated equipment you know, in, your, in your facility. They're also one of the most profitable vending machines in prisons. Uh, photo booths in prisons are extremely um, a lucrative deal for an operator uh, in the visitor waiting room. Um, most people that come in to visit can't bring their phone. They can't, um, you know, they're visiting with their inmate and they would like to have a memento. Uh, a photo booth can offer that. Uh, and at $5 uh, a VEN price and uh, 65 cent VEN cost, uh, you can see where it's a, a lucrative business for you to look at. So once again, my name is Lee Ivory. I'm in the Betson booth. I'd love to talk to you more about it. Um, we can go into detail on how a, a simple app can uh, make you and save you a lot of money uh, in a micromarket business. So thank you, artists. We're going to uh, jump ahead just a little bit, but uh, got a couple of folks here from the Pepsi Cola line, and uh, they've got a little extra time, and they carry, as you know, a wide variety of products. So we can give them a lot of time to really dive into their products and give you a little preview of what you'll see this afternoon. So uh, with that, I'm gonna turn the floor over to them. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Love being here in Vegas. Great weather, right? Especially if you're coming from Ohio where we got seven inches of snow. So I'd take this anytime. <laughs> yeah, OHIO. So hey, we're excited to be here today and Scott and I are gonna talk a little bit about some of the items that we have going on with PepsiCo. But first, we, for us, on the Frito-Lay side, I um, wanna talk about two things. First of all, if you are part of the USG RSA program, we have a brand new contract, if you haven't heard, starting in January, five years, which is um, really gonna be great for those members that are part of that. And really how that will impact you is first and all with higher rebates. So if you're part of that group, you're gonna be able to enjoy some additional rebates this year. And of course, everybody loves a little extra money. So that would be good. But there's also a couple other um, programs that we have that can impact or you can actually generate a little bit more revenue with us. First of all is a core four program. Our core four program is growth that you get paid 96 cents or $1.92 on growth cases on core items. So for this year, it would be Doritos, nacho cheese, Lay's Classics, Rogo Pretzels, and Cheetos Crunchies. So really 
great classic items on there. We also have an XVL incentive. So if you're carrying XVL in either your vending machines, serveries, or micromarts, if you carry four SKUs, you can earn an additional eight cents a unit. So it really makes it um, really palatable for you to start looking at bringing into this this size, which is really an upsell, and it's an upsize. You can charge more. We're finding that consumers are preferring a little bigger bag. So it's great win-win for everybody. And then the last program that we have is our Purchase Power. So Purchase Power is a great way for you to be able to take items that are on Purchase Power, which is LSS. We also do macro snacks, XVL, all variety, bars, dips, nuts, for you to be able to take advantage of some of those things. So that kind of wraps up the exciting news for the contract for um, RSA USG. So the other big topic that I really wanted to talk to you about is really the explosion of intense flavors. So intense flavors over the last year, two years has really exploded. Actually, actually three points higher than our salty snack. So if salty snacks last year grew 4%, our intense flavors grew 7.3. So you're seeing a lot more intense flavors. And actually 90% of US consumers out there today are saying that they're enjoying more intense flavor type of snacks. And one in four are actually saying that, hey, yeah, I'm eating more intense flavors than I did last year. And what's really kind of what I always look at is really kind of, is this becoming a mainstream thing? 70% of all menus in sit-down restaurants across the country are now carrying at least one, if not more, spicy items on their menu. And that's a big increase that we've seen from the last couple years. So really, the question is, what's really driving this new tongue tantalizing taste that we get? No surprise, right? It's our millennial group. That, you know, they can, uh, they can start changing the world for us. And 60% of them are actually saying that they love the spicy, robust flavors. And 80% of millennials are requesting more spices from pepper peppers and chilies, so really getting able to be able to get really those bold, intense flavors. What the great news is, is that Frito-Lay is aware of this trend, and we've been working really hard to make sure that we can carry these intense flavors to be able to capture this consumer that is starting to grow and actually will be coming our consumers down the road as these um, millennials start getting jobs and start getting into the workplace. Their taste buds are going to kind of follow that as long as they are. So what we have in um, next door at the trade show, please um, stop by anywhere from our flaming hot munchies right on there to our Lay's Limon. We have a whole variety of items that you're going to be able to check out and see along with our core items and make sure you can try them, taste them, look at them. Make sure that you can get them, adding one or two in your vending machines would really up, um, up the sales and make sure that you're really capturing that new consumer. So make sure you're connecting with your Frito-Lay rep 
and or distributor to make sure that you're kind of capturing on that whole piece. So now I'm going to turn it over to Scott Stella and he's going to talk a little bit about the Pepsi program and what we're going to be showcasing next door. Scott? Great. Thanks, Shelley. Um, so good morning, everyone. I'm Scott Stella. I'm the beverage NASM for, um, for USG RSA and for all of the, these organizations. So first of all, um, I wanted to uh, thank Dan and Artis and your whole group here for having us um, at this event. We always, uh, we enjoy this event. I mean, uh, first of all, the weather's quite a bit warmer here than Chicago, so that's number one. Um, number two is um, we have a lot of great customers here, all of you in the room, um, and I know a lot of times you don't get a lot of one-on-one -on -one interaction from us um, at your location, so this gives us an opportunity to kind of display everything that we have new um, this coming year so you guys can, uh, you know, pick up on what's new and, uh, and then just answer any of your questions or any of the issues that you may have. So um, this is a great event for us, and again, thanks to uh, your whole organization for having us. So um, the last few years I've talked about a lot of different topics here, and I, I was trying to figure out this morning how many years I've, I've been to this event, and uh, like I said, I really enjoyed it. I think this is our seventh year. Um, that myself and Shelley have been here. So, um, but anyway, I've talked about a, a lot of different topics from, you know, fixing the mix, basically converting your mix to non-carbs, um, micro markets, the importance of CSDs, um, a whole array of different things. But I thought I would kind of concentrate more on innovation uh, this year. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about why innovation is important, and then I'm going to talk about all the new innovation items that we've brought to the show here today. Uh, we've got a lot of new innovation items that, um, that we kicked off this year. So uh, before I get into the innovation piece, though, uh, similar to Shelly um, with her new food contract with USGRSA members, we just um, um, signed an agreement with USG on the beverage side, too. So we're really excited about a new five-year agreement that we have with USG RSA. If you are part of that organization, RSA members actually got bumped up to elite-level rebates. So um, that's good news because that's a substantially larger rebate that you're going to be receiving in 2020 through 2024. Um, we also are paying higher rebates on different elements of the program, for example, Pepsi Share, and then we added a non-carb program um, to, the, to the whole mix. So you're going to start seeing some actually larger checks on the beverage side as far as, um, you know, rebates from us if you're part of the RSA organization. So um, again, we're really excited about that. I think you guys deserve um, these rebates. You do a lot for our products, and we want to make sure that you're compensated for it. So. So um, getting back to innovation, um, I mean, really embracing innovation is very important. Um, there's a few things that we've noticed with customers that carry innovation, have dedicated innovation sections in their glass fronts or in their micro markets, and actually advertise innovation with their consumers. Um, basically, there's a few points here I'm going to bring out. Um, operators, point number one, I mean, operators that embrace innovation, they tend to have overall increased volume across their whole business. And the next couple of points will probably explain why um, their business tends to be up overall by embracing innovation. Um, point number two is machines with innovation keeps the consumers engaged and in returning to the machines to see what's new. 
right? So if you keep your machines exciting by putting innovation in them, your customers are going to be excited about coming to that machine and they're going to return time and time again versus them coming to the same machine, seeing the same products day in and day out. So um, while it's, you know, it's important to make sure you have your, your Pepsis and your waters and your things like that in the machines, it's also important to make sure that you're, you're introducing innovation on a, on a rotation basis, whether it's every month or every quarter, you put some new innovation in your machines. Um, point number three, consumers see the media on all of our innovation, right? I mean, we do a ton of advertising on innovation. Um, if you think about bubbly, I mean, we have bubbly commercials going constantly. Well, consumers see that stuff and they want to try that stuff. They want to taste it, right? And why let them go to a retail location like a grocery store or a gas station and buy it? Have them come to your machines and sample it and try it. Um, I think that'll create excitement around your machines. We might as well be the, the sampling avenue for these consumers that are looking to try these new items um, versus letting retail get that business. And um, the last, thing I, the last point I wanted to make on innovation is if you think about innovation, some of our largest brands that we currently carry were innovation at one time. So for example, Kickstart, Frappuccino, Mountain Dew Code Red. Mountain Dew Code Red is our largest Mountain Dew flavor out there. That was an innovation item at one time. I remember when we kicked off Mountain Dew Code Red. And, um, you know, it was innovation. If you didn't put it in your machines, you lost out on the spike in sales that it, it generated. Lipton Pure Leaf, which is our fastest growing tea right now. It's the, it's the Lipton that's in the square bottle. Um, it is now vendable through glass fronts, and obviously you can put it in micro markets, but that was innovation at one time. That is a huge, huge brand for us. Um, you think about brands more recently that we've kicked off. Uh, Bubbly, for example. Bubbly has been going crazy. Um, and, and I tell you, I was, one of the, I was one of the guys that when we said we were taking on a sparkling water, I thought, well, <laughs> sparkling water is such a small piece of the business, who cares, right? Well. Bubbly is now, we have 12 flavors of bubbly. Um, we carry it in two different pack size, 12 ounce and 16 ounce cans. And like I said, it's, it is on fire. Um, I actually have a couple of new uh, flavors of bubbly that we just introduced. Um, we brought by, uh, let's see here, I forgot the, uh, the two flavors here now off the top of my head. But anyway, we brought by a couple of new innovation flavors. Oh, pineapple and watermelon. So we got a couple of um, new bubbly here, as well as the 16-ounce cans replace the 20-ounce bottles. So we have our top five selling flavors in 16-ounce cans, um, and you'll see that on display also. From our Gatorade lineup, so Isotonics and Gatorade, it's, it's been huge, but that's also a changing category. Um, you know, people are looking for caffeine, while well, they're also looking for Isotonics. So we have a new brand called Bolt 24. It comes in three flavors, um, cherry, strawberry, lemon, and orange passion. It's a 16.9 ounce bottle, so um, it's vendable through glass fronts and, and then obviously through micro markets. But again, it's, a, it's an isotonic brand that has caffeine in it, but it also has 100% of your daily vitamins of A, three different Bs, and C. Um, so it's, uh, it's really a, uh, it's a, it's a nutritious brand for you. It has electrolytes in it like regular Gatorade. The electrolytes actually come from watermelon and sea salt, so a little bit different there. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to point out about Bolt 24, um, well, first of all, it's a very unique, bright package, but 
its major competition out there is actually body armor, and it has 50% less sugar than body armor. So if any of you are carrying body armor, this may be a good alternative that might help spike your sales um, with Bolt 24. Also from the Gatorade lineup, we brought a couple of uh, Gatorade Zero items. Now, this was an innovation item last year, not necessarily this year, but it's been doing so well I thought it made sense to bring it by the show again for those of you that may not have taken advantage of it last year. It comes in three different flavors, Glacier Freeze, Cherry, or Glacier Cherry, and then also uh, Lemon Lime, which is, um, you know, obviously it's a great seller on the regular Gatorade side of the business. Um, Gatorade Zero has all the electrolytes in regular Gatorade, it just has zero sugar. Okay, so it's for people that, you know, um, are not looking for the sugar and the calories. You have a Gatorade uh, isotonic version to replenish your electrolytes when you're working out. Um, Starbucks. Starbucks has uh, been a brand that consistently we see double-digit growth on, growth on this brand year over year over year. And they're very good about um, creating innovation from year to year. So some of the innovation items we brought on uh, Starbucks, for example, is um, Triple Shot was a new innovation last year. It came in three flavors. We just added a, a fourth flavor called Dark Roast this year. And we have that at the booth also. It's basically a dark roast type coffee taste in a triple shot beverage. So um, it's a really bold taste. It's a very good product. Um, I've also brought some iced espresso caramel macchiato. I don't know if I pronounced that right. <laughs> Frapp Frappuccino brown butter caramel, um, as well as some other mainstays as a Starbucks items like Frappuccino vanilla and, and things like that we brought by. I also brought by uh, our cold brew items that were introduced last year. Um, so those will be some good items, you know, some niche items for micro markets and things like that. One of our biggest brands that we introduced this year as an innovation item is Mountain Dew Zero. So it really has the great taste of Mountain Dew, but it has zero sugar calories. So a lot of people ask me, well, is that Diet Mountain Dew? Well, in, in a way, yeah, there's zero calories, but it has a, it has a bigger, bolder, full-body taste like Mountain Dew. So we brought some of that by, too. I mean, that's, uh, again, that's just kind of moving towards the way the consumers are moving, right? Everyone seems to like Mountain Dew. They like the caffeine that Mountain Dew offers, but they don't want the sugar. So um, we have a Mountain Dew Zero um, on display this uh, today. Um, also from the Mountain Dew lineup, we brought some Game Fuel by. So Game Fuel is, um, is a energy type product that's kind of designed for your video gamers. It has a texture on the cans. It, the 16 ounce can is resealable. Um, we've also just introduced that in two new flavors, which are zero calorie. Okay, so um, again, another zero, zero calorie or zero sugar item. And it comes in raspberry, lemon, and watermelon. Like I had mentioned just a bit ago, it's a resealable can. Um, I have heard from a lot of customers that they have accounts that they can't put energy in because it's not a resealable package. Most energy comes in a 16-ounce can that does not reseal. This may be an opportunity, if you have accounts like that, to get this in because the can is a resealable can. It has a, a little uh, plastic resealable lid on the thing. So um, it may, just may be an opportunity for some of those types of situations. And then we brought some, um, some Lipton tea. Lipton tea is also a Pepsi product. We brought some um, 
uh, innovation on that. For example, we brought some herbal teas in the mango hibiscus flavor, as well as we brought some green teas um, in a white peach and a watermelon flavor. Okay, so, um, so those are all available also. So um, the thing that I wanted to mention is a lot of new innovation at our booth. We'd love to have you stop by, you know, try this, try it out, take some of it back with you. Um, again, stop by. We'd love to talk to you about anything you may want to talk about on the Pepsi or Frito part. And again, we wanted to thank everyone in this room for your time and attention and allowing us to be at your event here. We really, really do enjoy it. And uh, we'd love to, you know, converse with everyone here in the room. So again, thank you and uh, look forward to seeing you at the show. All right, uh, big thank you to uh, Scott and uh, your Pepsi organization for coming in and giving us a little preview. Um, they have a really fun line. Um, I'll just give them a little plug here. I did um, have the opportunity to put in a Starbucks machine and I had a lot of people tell me when I put that piece of equipment in my facility, what are you doing? I'm here to tell you I'm smiling now that it's there because I'm, I'm doing well with it. It's doing fantastic. So. Uh, next up, I have another friend. Uh, I rounded him up and asked him to come in and give you a little preview of uh, what they have set up today. But uh, Kirk Johnson is here from Three Square, and he'll give you a little, a little preview of what he has brought today. So, uh, Kirk, go ahead. Thank you, Scott. Um, it's always nice to uh, come back to Las Vegas to see a lot of familiar faces. I see some people here at Albright's, uh, Kent Walzer. I see some friends from Mississippi here. Uh, Scott Egan, obviously, from my home state of Minnesota. And um, it's always great to come here. So uh, Scott asked me to little talk a little bit about what we're going to see over there uh, to, uh, this afternoon. Uh, what we did at Three Square about two years ago, uh, met with Scott, a few other operators, uh, a gentleman out of uh, uh, Atlanta, um, uh, Georgia, uh, Chris Ingram, who is a uh, trainer, goes around the country training the uh, visually impaired. So got a team together. We were working on accessibility uh, for the last two years. And as of... Uh, October 1st, we, we released V3, which is on every kiosk in the country, including in Europe where we have deployed kiosks with accessibility button on it. And that accessibility button will allow you to go down to the bottom right-hand corner, tap on it, and turn it into swipe up, down, left, and right, double tap, and voice activated, or you'd be able to use your head jack uh, to plug into it. So we've made it more accessible. Um, we're always working on it. The back end, we're completely redeveloping it, and that we're almost uh, done with. And that's been uh, Chris's um, project since coming on board. We hired him as of February 1st, and his sole responsibility is going to be going out and training visually impaired uh, operators and also uh, giving our software writers uh, the information needed to make it completely accessible. We want to be able to have the back end run by a visually impaired person along with the front end purchasing without the assistance of a soft or a sighted person. So that's what we've been working on. Uh, a couple other things we've been on. Uh, last week I was in uh, Brookfield, Wisconsin. Uh, we have operators that are opening up self-pay markets. So we kind of went to the slogan, self-pay markets where you work, 
where you sleep and where you play. They've been opened up across the country in markets and uh, malls. Uh, Brookfield was number 13, and we had a local radio station come by, and it ended up turning viral, so it went national. And at that point, we talked about our ADA um, ab availability and our um, or uh, accessibility for the visually impaired. So if you want to stop by, we're at the booth tomorrow. We can give you a demo and uh, go through it and let you see everything there. All right, uh, your cruise director back here again, and uh, I guess we're going to do a few more door prizes. I, I always uh, wonder if people are interested in having a little extra cash in their pocket. <laughs> All right, here's Artis. Gee, I thought you all were gonna just leave. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> and we're gonna have lots of door prizes this afternoon. All kinds of stuff. So lots more door prizes this afternoon, so keep your ears open. I know sometimes it's hard to hear above all the noise, so um, just uh, keep your ears tuned. And there's going to be lots of food next door, too. And we, we invite everyone to come and stay, and it runs from noon till 5 o'clock. So uh, please come and see us, and make sure you come to the RSVA booth and talk to us. We always like to hear from you and hear your suggestions, etc. Okay, I just got one or just a couple more quick things I wanted to mention. Um, little reminder that, as we've mentioned this afternoon, the food show next door. Um, definitely carve a little time out, spend some time with some of the reps here. They have a lot of information to share, and uh, yeah, give them give them a little time, and you'll learn a lot. Uh, tomorrow at uh, noon, we're going to have our luncheon. Uh, looking forward to that. We usually have a really good speaker, and uh, it'll be great. Tomorrow evening, we have our little mixer uh, starting at 5.30. Uh, definitely want you folks to stop by. Um, we do have some of our baskets that we're going to be auctioning off lined up here. It's getting to be quite a collection, so be sure to stop up, take a look at that. And also, we're going to be doing a little storytelling. Um, I've mentioned before, it's, it's a lot of fun. Anybody who's got some good stories, it's a great place to share them about some fun, interesting, funny facts that have happened to you over the years in your facilities, and uh, it's always a great time. Uh, otherwise, I think we'll uh, dismiss. Okay, everybody, you're listening to ACB Radio Live Event. Stick around here. i got a special guest we're going to bring on here in a minute. ACB Radio Live Event. ACB Radio is a project of the American Council of the Blind. We are privileged to be here at Sagebrush. This is our sixth or seventh year, not quite sure <laughs> we've kind of lost count but we've been doing this for a bunch of years we're at the uh, Gra uh, golden nugget hotel and casino here on Las in uh, fremont street in las vegas Our special guest here, 
And it's Mr. Dan Spoon. How are you, Dan? I'm great, Rick. Uh, how are you doing? It's um, wonderful uh, to be here in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, it's, how's the weather today? I haven't been outside I, yet today. Well, coming from Orlando, where it was 85, it's a little chilly out there for me, but I know I'm. it's not me to complain to be up being in Vegas with the weather, but it's uh, it's about 50. Yeah, I it's think. A, l- a little bit colder here yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah, huh? quite, quite a little drop in temperature, but oh, that's okay. Man, oh, man. I mean, you're about the only person here that's complaining at being too cold. I got my jacket on. I'm trying to stay warm. <laughs> I've, I've got a snow jacket upstairs if, oh. if if, if that'll make you feel any better. Well, thank but. you. I, I did bring the one jacket I had that has a hood, so if it gets any colder, I'll, <laughs> I'll move into that. Dan with his hoodie. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Dan from the hood. Dan, hopefully Dan, not. No, Dan no, no. from the hood. So, <laughs> hey, welcome, Dan. It's uh, great to have you here at Sagebrush. This is your first one, right? It's the first time I've been. I've been to Las Vegas lots of times, but I've never had a chance to go to Sagebrush. You know, it's always so close to the... Uh, you know, D.C. Leadership Conference, uh, which will, you know, be next weekend. So, uh, you know, we, week from, uh, starts a week from uh, Saturday here. So it's uh, kind of always hard to do the one-two punch. I'm always very, uh, uh, very uh, uh, proud or, uh, you know, uh, respectful of those folks that come to Sagebrush and then turn around and go to Washington, D.C. That's a tough one-two punch, like yourself. Uh, but... Uh, Oh, it's always fun to be in Vegas. So uh, yeah. artists and Dan invited us out, and uh, we're excited about being here. And you get to come here quite a bit to Vegas, right? Oh, yeah. My mother-in-law lives here. Leslie's mom lives in the Henderson, just you know, which is a suburb of Las Vegas. And uh, our niece lives out here and, uh, and Leslie's brother. So we've got family out here. So it's always fun to come out and, and see the family and uh, have a chance to have a nice meal and talk to them. Yeah, we kind of miss Leslie not being here, but... Uh... Oh yeah, we we we're sad. She's uh, she's a little uh, under the weather, kind of hyperextended her knee there. So she had an MRI yesterday. We hope everything works out well for her. But uh, five-hour flight did seem like more than she was up for right now. Yeah. Yeah. So you had a direct flight coming in. Direct flight was really nice. Uh, Southwest left at uh, you know I got up at four o'clock this morning East Coast time, so I'm a little little blurry-eyed here, but. Uh, you know, flight left about 7.20. It was on time. Perfect. Uh, you know, threw, I did, my, threw my bags in the room and came right on into the conference. I, I did a very bad thing coming here. What's, what'd you do, Rick? Well, Brian, uh, who's here with me and is up in the room right now, he's yeah. not feeling uh, real well this morning. Uh, he woke up with uh, some uh, shivers. Oh, gosh. Uh. So, um but with his uh, current current vertigo situation, yeah. he, he gets a wheelchair. Right? Oh yeah, yeah. So and he says you can walk behind the wheelchair. I said, mm-hmm. Bologna, I'm going to get a wheelchair too. <laughs> Dueling wheelchairs. <laughs> so we were racing. You know, Delta Airlines in Boston. <laughs> yeah. Terminal A has got this really really long concourse to uh-huh. go anywhere, and, yeah. and all of a sudden my ankle started to hurt real bad. Ooh. Right. You know how convenient. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're, you're doing pretty good with your ankle. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I'm doing really well. The ankle. <laughs> doing great but yeah but it started to hurt like a son of a gun so i i we summoned a wheelchair and here we are we're kind of racing to the gate <laughs> but i'll tell you it was the smoothest check-in uh-huh. and uh you know go through tsa I, I you know isn't that a shame it's like you're you're treated better if you're in a wheelchair than if you're there with a guide dog or a cane and you're, yeah. you're trying to you know I mean, use assistance but but be independent and walk yourself and yeah um, i know yeah like um well, and this happens to Leslie and I a lot. It happened to me again today. 
you know, the, the meet and assist that walked me down from the gate to the, you know, from the, from the check-in to the, to the gate through security. He was pu pushing two women in wheelchairs, and I was holding on to his back for dear life. You know, wow. and wow. that was all the way through security, and, and it, it's almost kind of just not right. You know, it, it poor one poor guy, and he's taking care of three different people wow. and pushing two wheelchairs. But uh, he had a really good attitude about now, th it. This was out of MCO, right? Yeah, yeah, out wow. of OR. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. it MCO? It's MCO. McCoy yeah. Air. It stands for McCoy Air Force Base. Back in the days, yeah, there was yeah. an Air Force Base in Orlando. Yeah. Yeah, so so I, I got a kick out of Scott. What did he say? We usually have a good speaker. We usually have a good speaker, so that's good. I, the pressure's not on for tomorrow. I feel pretty good about that. You want to give give everybody a little preview of what you plan on talking about tomorrow? Well, it's it's really the topic is uh, you know networking and relationships, and I think those come into play in, in all kinds of facets of our life, whether it's involved in work or our non for profit activities with American Council of the Blind. Uh, even in your personal relationships, your church, your community. I mean, it really is all about networking and building relationships, uh, whether you're advocating or looking for fundraising dollars uh, or just trying to find a good place to go have dinner. It's all about talking to people and building those relationships. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be, that should be very interesting. You, you do a good job with, with that stuff. So, um, well, so we'll thanks. have to we'll have to make sure that Scott's got you on the uh, on the good list. Okay, you know? I hope uh, hope hopefully uh, hopefully they'll invite me back Friday to give the ACB update. If not, <laughs> I could be on the flight out tomorrow night. If you get replaced by Jeff Tom, you get replaced by Jeff. You know you know you're in trouble. So uh, <laughs> competition Jeff, stiff. Jeff is here. So hey, this is what your month seven. Yeah, being present. Seven. Yeah, it sounds so, about so, right. So how have these seven months been for you? Uh, they have been uh, they they have been very jam-packed uh, it's really uh, I, I have the uh, I've always had the mo utmost respect for for Kim Charlson our immediate past president for president of ACB for the last six years but until you walk in those moccasins you don't really realize what happens on a day-in day-out basis and so uh, it's been exciting uh, I think we're uh, you know we're getting a lot done we're, uh, we're we're really moving forward in a lot of different areas and uh, you know, it's uh, it's been a challenge. Understanding yeah, keeping Kim pretty busy, though. Keeping Kim busy. One thing about Kim, <laughs> she's the hardest work, working woman in show business, is what I tell her. So, tell so Kim's heart is always with ACB, and uh, she's she's a great uh, you know a great partner and a great asset for our organization. And she's been wonderful to help me transition into being president. So I've been uh, uh, that that you know Kim Kim's just super and. Uh, Eric, our executive director, and his staff have all have all really pitched in and done a uh, you know just do an absolutely fantastic job. And I mean, he is just he's a man who's all over the place. He's got a you know a, a brand new son and a five year old, and you know I I talk to him on Thursday and he's getting on a plane Friday and flying to you know L A. and then he's back home on Saturday going to a T ball game. I mean the man is just everywhere. So. Now you've never had any kids. I've, I've never less than I've never had any okay, children. So, so let's get a couple things straight here. Yes. When you're feeling bad for him getting on an airplane to right. someplace, yeah, he's going on vacation. He's, 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 <laughs> he's, he's, he's getting away from the kids. He, he's, you know? uh, yeah, it, but I don't know. I don't know. West Coast one day of meetings and then back. I don't know. That's that's a vacation. So. Well, you know the freaking fly them out. Yeah. Flyer miles will come in handy. Come in handy later when, it, when right. it's time to go down to Disney World and stuff. I, I think so. In but, a but it's, couple but of it's years. like, hey, Rebecca, see ya. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> 
So, uh, no. yeah, yeah. And I think it got delayed both both directions in typical fashions. Weather weather delays in, the, in each in each in each direction. So I think it ended up being even a little longer for him than he than he felt like it was going to be. But he had a re again another just exciting all the things we're involved in. So he actually went out um, to something Apple invited him for. They. Uh, you know, they put the first uh, acting, uh, helped sponsor the first acting school for blind and visually impaired uh, folks this year oh, cool. out in uh, California. And so this was their kind of, quote unquote, you know, final, final presentation, uh, graduation. And so wow. uh, he was invited out to, uh, you know, be part of that. And he said there were like 12 actors and actresses that had gone through the program. Mary Lee Talkington, I know you know her yeah, from. Uh, yeah, we, we, she, yeah, she, she was, was the instructor who who put the put the program together, and he said there you know there were there were different agencies there li listening to the talent and looking at the talent, and uh, wow. he wouldn't be surprised if uh, you know several of these folks end up with uh, you know with. Um, job offers for different uh, series and events fairly soon so well, that's terrific that's kind of exciting yeah that's absolutely terrific so yeah. so we got a big week coming up here uh, yeah you know we've got rsva through the end of this week and mm -hmm. we've got kind of a captive audience here with with sagebrush right but you want to talk a little bit about uh, just how things are going to flow next week sure sure well you know, it's kind of uh, typical you know we're you know uh, we used to we used to call our meeting in in February mid-year which didn't make a whole lot of sense because it really wasn't anywhere around the mid-year but we've now kind of retitled it the the DC leadership conference uh, which I think is more appropriate to what we're doing in DC which is really developing our leaders of the future and our current leaders. And so we'll have a, um, a board workshop on Friday. Um, we're implementing nine um, str strategic, I, I kind of call them strategic, but uh, program steering committees in nine key areas that kind of manage American Council of the Blind. And so we're having those leads, uh, you know, staff leads, and the board members that participate on these steering committees all to get, get together on Friday for a very good uh, workshop day. We're going to have a gentleman named uh, Bill Reeder who's going to come and talk to us about uh, development and fundraising. He's got uh, 30 years of experience at George Mason University, just a really, really pleasant guy. Cool. And then uh, Cindy Van Winkle after lunch is going to talk to us about the board liaison, affiliate liaison program and some set of guidelines and, and tracking spreadsheets she's kind of put together to really help the board uh, kind of work in a collaborative way with our affiliates. And then in the afternoon, we're going to have uh, Kate uh, Veramio. I, I, I butcher her name sometimes, so hopefully I got it right. And she's from Mount Vernon Consulting, and she's a, a licensed PMP project, certified project manager consultant. Okay. She's going to talk to us about, you know, how you really put together, together effective steering committees and more importantly, kind of how you set smart objectives, you know, which are specific and measurable. Uh, you know, they're uh, and, and somebody's accountable. They're and, reasonable in scope, and they've got a timestamp. And, and very yeah. intentional. Very intentional. Very intentional. My favorite word. Yes, <laughs> very intentional. Yeah. So that's Friday. That'll be a really good workshop day for our board. And then we have our board of directors meeting. Now Friday night, uh, though, you, yeah. you've got a uh, you've got a networking exercise at the bar Friday night, don't you? Oh well, those those kind of go with.
without saying. Oh, those, yes, there's always are, those, a network are, relationship building <laughs> opportunity. Uh, those are yeah, kind of built in. Yeah, 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 dining or restaurants, <laughs> bars, yes, any of those opportunities. To, and that is one thing, it, it, all kidding aside, one thing that's really nice about the, the leadership conference, it's not the crazy, hectic pace of a convention. So you really do have time to talk to people, oh, to go out true. and have lunch, yep. uh, you know, grab three or four folks and go have a nice dinner and really get to know people in a different way. And, and you've got leaders that come in from all over the country. Uh, so, you know, it, it really, uh, you know, I love the conference and convention that ACB that we put on every year. But the leadership conference in, in D.C., it, it's, it's, a different, it's a different animal, but I kind of like it. You know, I really like the camaraderie. You know, it's a, yep. it's a room with 100 folks in it, and you can really get to know people, and, and that's nice. So, so the board meeting will be Saturday, and then Sunday we'll have the president's meeting. We're going to have two sets of breakout sessions uh, this year. Now, what's, uh, what's different about this year's board meeting? About this year's board? Yes, this is really cool for the first time, thanks to Rick and the team's help. Uh, we're going to broadcast the ACB Board of Directors meeting on ACB Radio. So for all of those of you listening who uh, would like to uh, you know, listen in and hear our, our, our exciting Board of Directors meeting, we're, we welcome you. Now, are you going into executive session at lunchtime? We are going into executive session at lunch, so we'll have to remember to turn the radios off uh, at lunchtime. See, Kelly called me today and said, <laughs> are you going to yeah. be at lunch? I want to make sure I get you the right lunch. I said, well, yeah. It's all depending whether or not they do executive uh, session because they throw me out when yeah, it's executive yeah, session. Yeah. So, well, you so definitely I, so, should go to lunch on Friday. We're so going guess, to TJ Stone's. You're so definitely I, so invited. I, so to lunch I guess I don't have lunch. You know, probably, Saturday, yeah, Saturday. But well, you know, Tom and Joe Lynn and Leslie, they'll take you to lunch. I promise. Oh, I, I, I'm yeah. just, I'm just teasing. <laughs> and so. then, uh, yeah, Sunday's the president's meeting. Like I said, we've got four breakout sessions. So, uh, audio description project's going to have a breakout session. Uh, membership services will have a breakout session. Uh, we're going to have one on public awareness uh, with uh, uh, Katie and uh, Kelly and, and Deb Cook-Lewis. And uh, then we're going to have information uh, referral and peer support with Claire Stanley. So I think it's going to give us four really good topic areas to you know, break down into smaller teams and have some real good dialogue. Uh, and then... Yep. And then, of course, Monday is our legislative seminar, you know, with Clark and uh, Clark uh, Rackful and uh, Claire Stanley. Uh, we've got some folks coming in. Um, uh, Mark Schultz, was he here today or yesterday from um, from RSA? The the name's not well. He oh the um, was he the, the new direct commissioner? Yes, of RSA? he was. Yes, yeah. he was. Yeah, he, he spoke yesterday and he was very, very eloquent. He yeah, was very, yeah. very good. And so. he's he's going to be there at our uh, at our. Uh, uh, leadership seminar, so I think cool. it'd be good, really good to hear from him. We'll have somebody from the Federal Communications Commission, somebody usually from the Department of Transportation, so we'll have some good speakers, uh, and then we'll talk over our imperatives, and then Tuesday we'll, uh, you know, send the troops out to Capitol Hill and, uh, you know, visit our uh, visit our legislators, so yeah. should yeah. be a really good week. And then everybody will collapse Tuesday night. Yeah, the, that's it. Go to I, dinner. I mean, it's 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 relaxed, you know, <laughs> yeah. the, the whole time. But I'll tell you, it's it's uh, a lot of stuff happening, and yeah. I, you know, it, it it I mean, you leave very tired, but in a good way. Yeah, you know? I mean, yeah. you you know, you've really focused on some good stuff, absorbed a lot of very very good information, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. and and it's good to go home. I mean, everybody goes home pretty. Pretty exuberant after that thing. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, they, uh, you usually come up your 
you're really motivated and fired up, and especially if you get a chance to talk to a, you know, a, a congressman or con- you know, congresswoman or senator, and, and they really, uh, you know, they, they support your issues and co-sponsor your legislation, you can just be pumped. You know, like, man, right. I made a difference. This really is cool. So given that, uh, mm-hmm. that, you, that you hang out in Vegas so much, what's your favorite restaurant down here? Well, you know, we're, we're funny. Leslie and I are not big foodies, so we don't go to very many restaurants. I was going to ask you and Brian. You, you, guys, <laughs> you guys come every year. You hang out down at, you know, we're usually out at the, uh, you know, out in the rural areas. We usually don't go to the Strip or down here to uh, Fremont very often. We're usually, you know, up in the local uh, casinos on Boulder Highway and right, in Henderson. Right, so, right, uh, right. so this is kind of a treat to be downtown. Well, How about you? Do you it, I hear there's a nice place at Four Queens. Is there, did you go to a restaurant I, over there? No, I, 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 honestly, I've never been into Four Queens. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're kind of doing something. Well, uh, <laughs> we're, we're being a little bit frugal this trip. Yeah. And uh, I, I was thrilled, though, because I got here, and uh-huh. I, I could have gone the whole week and not know this, because it's in a part of the hotel mm-hmm. that I don't often get to, but uh-huh. they put in a brand-new Chick-fil-A well, in here. You, well, you're right, Rick. You know, I actually, they thought that, that, that this was in the normal conference room area in the Carson Tower. Uh-huh. So I got a tour of all the restaurants. <laughs> so I, I, I saw the, uh, y- you know, the uh, uh, Cadillacs and uh, in the... Yeah. Yeah. And the Starbucks and the Chick-fil-A, and I think it's Grotto, the Italian restaurant. Yeah, yeah the, the Grotto, they actually Grotto, moved, they yeah. moved it. It, yeah. it used to be, and then they're putting a, 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 a steakhouse in here called Sawgrass. Sal, Sawgrass, yeah. I saw that was under construction. Yeah. And then uh, I think Claim Jumpers. So yeah. we, we went kind of checked out all the restaurants. So, yeah. 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 I went down Restaurant Row today by the pool. <laughs> the indoor pool. Saltgrass. I got a great saltgrass story. There was a, a saltgrass in Dallas when I was working uh-huh. uh, for EDS. And we were there one one time with a group of about 20, uh, yeah, 12 or 15 of us. And uh, I'm looking at the menu, mm. and I've got my nose right on the menu, looking yeah. at it very closely. And, sure. and the waiter comes up thinking he's going to be funny, and he says, Sir, uh, let me get you a scratch and sniff menu. <laughs> and everybody, everybody just stopped talking, right? Yeah. And everybody was was looking at me like, "What's he gonna say? You know? <laughs> what is Rick gonna say?" Yeah. <laughs> and, and I said, "Do you have one, really?" And he and he said, "No." I said, "Well, tell you what. Why, can you ask your manager to come over?" And uh. We had a nice chat. Needless to say, I had a free meal that night. <laughs> Now, have you ever been to one of those uh, Texas Day Brazils or oh, yeah. Yeah, those oh, those, yeah. those steak places? Oh yeah, those. Oh, yeah. I, I remember the first time I went to one of those. I was out on a business trip in Houston, and it was like four of us, and we went out for dinner. and And it's a little intimidating if you've never been there before. You know, you the uh, if, if you've never been to one of these Texas Day Brazils, they have this amazing, wonderful salad bar because they want you to fill up on salad because you get all the steak and chicken and sausage and you know all that you want to eat for as long as you want to eat but the way it works you have a, a little placard and it's it's got a red light you know red dot on it right. and, and when you're ready for the cavaleros that are all walking around to serve you uh, meat then you uh, you flip it over to green and they come over to your table and they start serving you stuff so we were so intimidated the first time they came over you know we were getting like chicken and sausage and you know 
and, and because we didn't want to say no, we didn't want to be rude. But that's right. You know, we went back. We went back for business the next year, and by that time, we were we were Texas Day Brazil snobs. So like, <laughs> no, no, no. So w- bring the filet mignon over. No, no, no. We don't get that chicken out of here. We don't want any of that. You, know, no, no, no. you can't fool us. Fool us once, shame on yeah, you. Yeah, it's, shame it's on like us. there's another chain too called Fogo to Show. Ooh, yeah, Fogo. Yeah, yeah. Which is um, I don't know about Texas to, to Brazil if that's an American restaurant, but Fogo to show is actually a chain that came out of uh, out of Argentina. Yep, yep. No, not, not Argentina, out of Brazil, I think. Mm. And uh, um, yeah, it's a Brazilian steakhouse. Yeah. And uh, the, the one in Boston, they are so good about accommodating us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when, when we go, we don't even have to tell them about our being blind because somewhere, we're somewhere in their computer. And when we sit down... Yeah. They, you know how they, they've got the green and the red, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what they do is they tape a quarter on one of the sides. Okay, so you know so, which. So that we know which side is which. You're hot or right? cold, yeah. Now, we went with Carl, yeah. Carl Richardson. Uh-huh. You know, and what does he do? He robs the friggin' quarter. He takes the quarter. <laughs> hey, look, they left a tape quarter on the card. Awesome. <laughs> Free phone call. That's right. That's right. It's like, isn't this nice? They're tipping us for coming. Very <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'll have to kid Carl about that. <laughs> so, 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 anyways. Well, hey, it's good to see you. Uh, well, thank you, Rick. It's good to be here, and uh, we look forward to the next couple of days. So, yeah, thanks, thanks, and uh, I, I know you've had a long trip this morning, so we'll let you go. And uh, we're supposed to have somebody come up here about one o'clock. Called uh, he calls himself uh, BBC. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Big. Blind Chuck. Big Blind Chuck. And he's supposed to, he calls himself the Blind Comedian. The Blind Comedian, okay. And uh, I've been warned about him, so okay. we're going to have to make sure he knows that this is a G-rated radio station. <laughs> okay. So uh, BBC. BBC, Big yeah. Blind Chuck. Yeah, BBC. So he promised I'm being here at 1 o'clock, but I haven't seen any evidence of him today. So Okay. I, I, he, so, so we'll he may see. Have, he, may have, <laughs> he may have had a Big, big Blind Chuck... <laughs> A big, Evening. Yeah. A, a BBC moment. A what, BBC what, moment. Yeah. What, what, can, what can we say? So, anyways, All hey, right. thanks, Dan. Hey, All right, Rick. Yep, thanks. You're listening to every, everybody to ACB, ACB Radio. In, uh, no, not interactive live event. That was Dan Spoon, the president of ACB, and uh, he's going to be here for the rest of the week, uh, speaking at tomorrow's luncheon, and uh, then presenting uh, ACB stuff on Friday. So. Um, uh, we're thrilled that, that Dan is here, and uh, we're going to have some fun with Dan while he's here as well.